0: Hi, this is Elaine. We've hosted guest experts on impactparents.com every week since 2011. And since 2017, they've been podcast style interviews. Now we're dipping into those archives to share these fascinating conversations with leading world experts on the Parenting with Impact podcast.
1: For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com podcast.
0: Welcome, everybody. It's Elaine from Impact ADHD, and I'm thrilled to welcome you back to our interview series with our guest experts. Today, we are welcoming guest expert Christy Kalbos, who's an attorney in Atlanta, Georgia, who specializes in, spe- I guess you're a special education attorney, is that correct? Yes, it is. Welcome. We are so glad you're here. Um, Thank you,
2: Elaine. Glad to be here.
0: It's such a pleasure. We've, we've been working with Christy for a few years now, and every time I get a chance to talk to her and catch up, or, or she's writing a piece or interviewing, I, it's always, she's a wealth of information, and she manages to do it with a big smile on her face. So we're thrilled to have you. Let me <laughs> tell you a little bit about Christy. As I say, she's a special education attorney. And she received her law degree from the University of Georgia. She worked for California's largest education law firm more than a decade ago and provided legal advice to school special educators and then relocated back to Georgia and Stopped working for school district and opened her own law firm to help disabled students receive appropriate education. So, as a former school attorney uh, with a lot of knowledge of school special education and politics, she is really incredibly well suited to help families advocate for themselves, particularly in that school environment. So, Christy, welcome again. We're so thrilled you're here. And we are going to talk today about about what happens when families feel like the school is not following their child's 504 or IEP. And just in context, Christy and I were trying to figure out what's the message we really want to get across to parents today. And that's sort of where we landed. You were saying, you know, when you smell smoke, how do you know if there's fire, right? So what do you do when the school's not following the plans, the accommodations and supports that are put in place for a child? So where do you want to start?
2: Well, I think, so. you know, the first thing I would say, Elaine, is that when I receive calls from concerned parents and they start the conversation with, you know, the idea that something is going wrong. Now, they may not actually have it narrowed down to the school's not following the 504 plan or the IP, but sometimes it starts with just that, you know, speaking of the smoke and, and fire analogy. Sometimes it's just something is off. My child is struggling the grades don't look good, I haven't gotten, you know, a progress report, but something is concerning them. And inevitably, you know, what we do through that process of the consultation is we, we trace it back to the root cause. So the first thing we want to do is make sure that the family has an understanding of exactly what is in the 504 plan
0: mm-hmm. and the IEP. A lot of times going into now, do you mean meeting... Let me interrupt for a second. Do you mean generally what they understand, the distinction between them or, or specifically understand what's in their specific plan?
2: Well, I think, you know, the distinction for sure, they, you know, a family needs to know what's the difference between a 504 plan and an IEP, but but assuming that the family knows that, what what is in the 504 plan and what is in the IEP can sometimes be elusive for families when they go to IEP meetings or 504 meetings, there's a lot of lingo. Mm-hmm. The, movie, the moving parts are sometimes intricate. The meeting is moving fast. There could be high emotion or short, short time windows. And a lot of times um, a family can come out of a meeting kind of dazed and confused and receive a document a couple days later or maybe walk out with one if they're lucky. And their understanding of what actually... Is happening in that document and who is supposed to do what, Mm -hmm. and what it Mm -hmm. looks like in a classroom can be wildly different from what the team envisioned Mm -hmm. or is actually going to do. So, the first thing is take a long, hard look at what are the supports and accommodations, what are the goals and objectives, what is the instruction, and ask for a meeting. That's the first step. Get clarity, don't try to figure it out yourself. Don't put it on Facebook. Cool. Don't ask well-meaning family and friends about it unless they happen to have some expertise. Ask for a meeting. And it can be as low-key as a parent-teacher conference, or it could be that you call a 504 meeting.
0: Or So when an you, IT, say, when you, you ask, say ask for a meeting, be more specific, a meeting with whom and for what purpose? Because a lot of times I think parents well, don't know what they're asking for.
2: Sure. Well, at this early stage... We're asking for clarification Mm -hmm. because the parent's thinking something's wrong. I don't think the school is following my child's 504 plan or IEP. And we don't want to be clouded, um, you know, by emotion. As You know, we want to get clarity. So go in for a meeting. You can call the meeting with the teacher that you think perhaps is not following the 504 plan or the IEP. Or you could call an entire IEP meeting. It's going to be fact-specific you know, depending on the circumstances. If your child is failing math and you find out that they're not being given extended time on, you know, quizzes and tests, or that homework is not being chunked, or that preferential seating has gone out the window, or they're not being given permission to take breaks, then you would want to address it where you think the problem lies. And with that teacher, you don't necessarily need a full-blown IEP team meeting, but what you're looking for is clarity. You're you're saying now, can you, asking the teacher or the related service provider, can you tell me exactly what this looks like in day-to-day practice? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And really go in as a fact finder. You're on an investigative mission. You're not on a finger pointing or blaming mission until you actually find out what that teacher or SLP or OT is actually doing because sometimes the interpretation of what should be done and when it should be done is going to solve the problem.
0: So it's really now, important here to stay off the defensive and to not to try to achieve two things in that meeting. So the first meeting you're talking about is really fact-finding and information gathering. Sort of put on your investigator hat and, and sort of stay neutral and just collect information.
2: Right and I've seen parents do this well by email, but not necessarily always.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So emailing someone and saying, hi, just wondering, are you giving, you know, Susie extended time? And the teacher writes back and, back and says, yes, well, she knows it's available to her, right? right. Or, or she knows it's available to her. Um, and you're thinking, my goodness, she's never going to, you know, raise her hand and ask for it herself. She's going to rush through. She's going to be distracted. She's going to miss questions and just, you know, bubble in the answers. And so then your temperature starts to rise, but at least then you have an understanding of the facts. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're in a meeting and you discover that there's been a glitch in communication about how the support or the instruction or the accommodation is being delivered, and you have a very different understanding of what should be happening, that's the time to go ahead and talk about it.
0: You don't so, necessarily have to so leave at that. So, yeah. So you're saying at that first meeting, collect information and then you can, what, because you're already together, use that time to then move into action planning.
2: Yes. Now, you know, does it always go, you know, sunshine and rainbows? No, but you want to record that meeting. And, and by record that meeting, to, do you mean
0: video, audio record it or take notes? You want to,
2: Yep. You want to audio record it. You want to audio record it because it's important to have some way to play back later when you're calmer. Let's say you're in a meeting and you're playing it out on a human level and you discover that for the last five months the math teacher has not been giving your daughter accommodations on tests and quizzes. Mm -hmm. Your blood pressure's through the roof because you're looking at a lot of failing grades or poor grades. You've got a child in tears who hates math. You know, I could go on and on with, with the individual details of each scenario. But at that point, you really want some way to have a clear head later and go back and listen to what was said. You, it's difficult in the moment uh, for many parents. Emotion can be blinding and it, and it can also cloud our judgment. So Is I tell it parents whenever
0: you're going for parents to turn on a recording.
2: Sure. In the state of Georgia, it is, Elaine, because this is a state that is known as a one-party recording state. Now, each parent in other states would have to check, but the main thing that I tell families is go ahead and tell them that you're going to be recording. Um, it's fairly commonplace now for parents to switch on a recording, and if you're given you know, a, a hard time about it, you can simply say, listen, in the moment, it's hard for me to take notes and remember and catch everything that's going on and um but it is legal um I tell parents you do need to probably tell them mm-hmm. that you're doing it if you're not in a one party recording state where but, one but party
0: but you're saying is it's better for relationships to to let parent to let them know no matter what
2: generally. I think so okay. yeah just be transparent about it and just record it and and get to the bottom of what's happening. Why isn't this being implemented the way you understood that it should be implemented? And this is the critical part. If you discover in the meeting, number one, that it's not being implemented legally or consistently or correctly, and number two, there's some sort of an admission of that, some kind of a Mia culpa, yes, we acknowledge that this hasn't been done correctly. Number three, you want to come prepared to that meeting with the actual evidence of the consequences. What kind of harm has been done here? And I use the term harm loosely because it could be failing grades. It could be, you know, we haven't mastered several unit tests. It could be now, you know, we have a child who dreads this subject matter. hmm uh, we could, so you want to come prepared so the with, a, with a folder. Yes. What's the impact? And you want to at that meeting, if possible, try to come to a decision about how we're going to remedy this. And it could look like anything. It could look like compensatory tutoring. It could look like grade recovery. What is grade um, recovery? It could look like Grade recovery is anything from we're going to retake all these tests and quizzes or we're going to redo these assignments or these projects. We're going to give the child a chance to have a do-over and recover the lower grades or the missing grades without penalty. So you're really looking for a remedy right there um, on the spot, and you need it to be in writing and noted in the, the documentation of the meeting. Mm-hmm. So that everybody's clear exactly what's going to happen. And I even tell parents, when you go to this meeting, take your calendar with you and, and don't leave on a very loose construct of, great, Mrs. Jones is going to get with my daughter and they're going to review unit one through eight and she's going to retake all these tests. And the reason why you want to be careful about structuring remedies for these types of violations is because it can be confusing For the adult and the child, but it can mostly be overwhelming for your child.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It's not a a great gift to be handed a grade recovery schedule on top of having to keep up.
0: Yeah, No, I know. I'm listening to you. I'm thinking that would not be fun. That'd be terrible. So you said bring your calendar, and that's for what purpose?
2: Well, you're going to calendar out carefully knowing what your child can and cannot handle.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: what that remedy looks like. Is it going to look like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 20-minute tutoring session before school? Is it going to look like um, grade recovery of only the most critical, heavily weighted unit tests?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Or are we going to have to go deeper and look at, you know, some kind of recovery during the summer to reteach critical skills? Um, If your child you know, did not master some fundamentals because the IP or the 504 was not implemented correctly, you might have to dig a little deeper and look at how can you utilize evenings, weekends, and, you know, summer break. Again, it just depends on the seriousness of it. I would say that if your child is has actually been denied an appropriate education in an intense way, And I'm not talking about, you know, missing a handful of tests or quizzes that could be made up on a a humane schedule. Mm -hmm. But if there have been violations that have really set us way back from the starting point, you might be better served in that meeting to discuss some possible options. And the parent needs to come prepared with some creative solutions because the school district will usually not step up and offer a great, you know, package. Of recovery. And if you're very concerned looking at your child's performance and you've managed to connect the dots, in that meeting if you've connected the dots between the violations of the IEP or the 504 and your child's very poor performance and possibly regression, that might be a time to call an advocate or an attorney.
0: Okay. All right, I'm going to because stop at you that there, point. if I may, for a second. And I want yeah. to come back to that mm-hmm. issue of calling an advocate because we just have a few minutes left. We mm-hmm. want to make sure people get some information about how they can find out more from you if they want. Um, and I believe they can find you at, at calboslaw.com. Is that correct? Yep, that's it. So it's C-A-L-B-O-S lawcom and you can find more resources available there and more information about about her there um, and that will always be uh, linkable to her website from from her bio as well so I just want to take the minute to do that and as we sort of go back and, and finish we have a, just a few minutes left so a parent has gone through the process they figured out that something's not being followed in a 504 and IEP they've collected every education they've gone through and tried to, to navigate and negotiate it with the school and document and and request reasonable um, and humane accommodations, as you say, um, how do they know when, when they need help and when it's gotten past what they have the capacity to manage on their own?
2: Well, again, it's fact specific, but I would look to, to two, two hallmarks. The first is you're in the meeting and you've connected the dots. The evidence is clear, right? There's a causal connection between your child's poor performance and the district's failure to implement the IEP or the 504. Mm -hmm. Now, most parents are going to go in and ask, you know, has this happened? And the first hallmark of knowing that you need an advocate or an attorney is if they're saying, well, we haven't quite done it this way, but we're reluctant to take responsibility for it, or we're we're in denial. The the district team could be saying, yeah, we, we don't agree that you know, A caused B to happen. We don't agree that our failure to implement the IEP or the 504 plan has caused her poor performance. That would be a time when you would want a second opinion. Don't sit and fight with the team; you'll just wear yourself out. But go ahead and call for a second opinion. Have someone else look over the evidence and say, "Am I am I on the right path here? You know, is there a, is there a connection?" The second time, I would say it would be a good idea to, to invoke some help is if you know that they are connecting the dots, the team is connecting the dots, but they're
0: refusing
2: to give an appropriate level of remedy for the impact.
0: And how would a parent know if it's an appropriate level of, of remedy?
2: Well, there were a couple of things. I would say that a lot of times teams try to say to families, okay, yeah, we dropped the ball. Guilty is charged. We offer tutorials before and after school in all of our major subject areas, um, and you're welcome to have your child participate. Now you have to be careful with those because if you have a child with a disability who's showing up for group before or after school tutorials, yeah. the level of attention may not be the kind of instruction that we need to recoup the lost ground. Right. So you're gonna look at, you know, what kind of attention is my child gonna receive? Is it going to be remedial instruction? Mm-hmm. Um, does my child actually need a one-on-one tutor for an hour or two a week so that we can catch up? Right. Another hallmark of, of knowing that you're going to need more intense services is if you've made no progress on mm-hmm. goals and objectives or very slow progress. Yeah. So at that point, it's not helpful to say, well, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. And the team is saying, we're sorry. We'll, we'll do this the right way from here on out. It's, you know, it's imperative that a family say, okay, I understand that, but what are we going
0: to do to remedy this? Yeah. 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 The definition of of crazy or stupid, right, is just doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? Yes. Yes,
2: absolutely. And teams don't have, school teams don't have a lot of disposable resources, so they're not going to be quick to lay them on the table. So sometimes it helps to have um, a second opinion to shore up the family's courage or even accompany them to... A meeting or help them discover what the next step might be it could okay. it could be that you file a complaint or you ask for mediation it just really depends on the fact
0: okay awesome well I, I hate to say that our time is up but our time is up so I'm gonna stop the conversation here but I think we, we covered a lot of ground and it was fascinating um, and I want to thank you for bringing clarity to a really muddy topic um, I think there well you know, it has been my pleasure Thank you so much. Our guest has been Christy Kalbos. She's a special education attorney and has been talking today about how do we handle it? What do we do when the school is not following your child's 504 or IEP? And it was a really great conversation, and I thank you for, for your wisdom and your expertise and really for the incredible work you're doing in the world, supporting the families that... Thank you, Elaine. And Back I think,
2: at you, you guys too. <laughs> thank
0: you. Well, and I love what you talk about is, is the notion that really, as an attorney, that your job is to be that second opinion and to guide and support families when they really don't know and, and to understand that there are resources out there avail- that are available. There are educational consultants and special ed attorneys who can really guide parents when when they're not sure when when it gets muddy and complicated. um, Absolutely. So again, thank you for being here and thank you all for tuning in and listening. And remember, there's more resources, several articles written by Christy Kalbos on the impactadhd.com website and many more resources on 504s and IEPs and accommodations. And I encourage you to go there for more information. And we will talk to you at the next interview. Take care, everyone.
1: You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.